0: Hello, everybody! If you're in the Montreal area this week and you're looking for some sillies and you still have time to check out the Improv, Montreal Improv Festival, all of the best improvisers in the city and a lot of fantastic guests from around the world will be here. Go to improv.ca for details. If you want some non-comedy live entertainment, check out Concordia's production of Constellations, starring our very own Simon Peltier. The show is running this week at Concordia's D.B. Clark Theatre. He sent me times. I don't have them written down anymore. Check the episode description for details. Go, Tim!
1: If I were a boy... Welcome to the Up for Discussion podcast. My name is Tim Blay. And I'm Tom Zlatanai, and That was a choice you made. <laughs> that was definitely a choice. I told you I'm not good with fiance. That's
2: fair.
0: Oh, uh, dear. So, yeah, welcome to the Up for Discussion podcast, the only show on the internet where we talk about the things we talk about in the order we talk about them. We have a special guest with us today who's actually part of the Improv Festival. Oh, snap. Her name is Katie Pagnuko.
3: Hello. Thanks for Hi, joining Katie. us. Thanks for having me. Ooh. So,
0: do you want to tell the fine folks at home who you are, what you do?
3: absolutely what well, you're about first and foremost i'm a human, a human um, being. Okay,
1: that's good because they can't see you so like yeah you could have been like a bird you could have been a cat Yeah.
3: disappointingly no
1: talking squirrel
3: <laughs> would love to be would yeah. love to be a river otter that's my spirit I a love. river otter yes okay playful playful silly eat on their tummies mm. um i am an ecologist professionally i suppose uh i'm currently a postdoc at ucam uh previously phd student at mcgill i also am a course lecturer at mcgill and former stage up teacher, uh, and uh, in my free time, I like to do some improv and uh, storytelling in the city.
1: Cool, it's very mm-hmm. nice. So you you're like a hybrid between Tom and me, kind of. <laughs>
3: I've been saying that for years. Yeah, <laughs> for years.
1: have <laughs> <laughs> just been like stalking us in the comments. Absolutely, we met a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is, this is sounds like it's going to be cool. So you're you're doing some of the improv stuff this week. I am cause... absolutely. Okay, do you want to plug that?
3: I would love to. Uh, so coming up first, uh, I'm in a duo with uh, Montreal Improv Theater co-founder Vinnie Francois, Chestnuts. Uh, we do a narrative style. Uh, improv show so kind of like a mini movie uh, but we do it in reverse kind of like memento so we Sweet. start with the final scene and work our way backwards um, and then I am part of the house team at Montreal Improv Theatre called uh, Mary Chuck Phil. Uh, we have our show at 8:30 on Wednesday and Wednesday at seven o'clock I'm in the short form mixer.
1: Sweet. Yeah. Did you say that your show was called Chestnuts?
3: <laughs> that is my duo name yes. <laughs>
1: Interesting. It's not like chess boxing but instead of the boxing element, it's like Rochambeau where you people just kick each other in the nuts until someone passes out?
3: It's it's a barely veiled uh, euphemism, I suppose. Chest nuts. Or a boy and a girl. We're not that creative. Ah,
0: Fair cool. Fair enough. Sounds we have, good. We have friends who have a pottery store called Beard Bangs for
3: <laughs>
1: similar reasons. Very similar reasons. And which is really catchy. And chestnuts works too. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. I'm actually taking a class with Vinny right now. He's great.
3: Oh cool, yeah. I, I agree.
1: Who is this Vinny person? Break
0: him down for me, please. Ah, uh, Vinny is a man. Okay. Uh, Vinny is an improv teacher at Montreal Improv Theatre. Uh, I think Vinny might be a father.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind the, of all I know about Vinny. <laughs> you know.
1: He does improv and yes.
3: Yes, he's absolutely a father and the sunniest person I've ever met. He is met. so sunny. He is. Like and he has a son? That's legitimately him. Okay. He, he he exudes light and, and radio, radioactive. Mm. That sounds energy. dangerous. Yeah, it is.
0: I'm definitely starting to get melanoma <laughs> just from like one week of exposure to him. That's Worth why you're it. all so red
1: when you come home. Yeah. I get it now. Oh, I yeah. thought you were just crying. Well, that too. It is an improv class. It's it's all about drama
0: Emotional. and tears. Yeah. You know? mm. Lots of
3: tears.
1: Yeah. 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 There's no comedy, right? It's just
0: I'm very like little full on mm, sadness. No, yeah. That's actually a common misconception <laughs> with improv. It's actually all about
1: sadness. Okay. <laughs>
3: That's her excuse for not being funny. That's what I... Yeah. <laughs> that's
1: you thought this was comedy? <laughs> so uh, what's your interest in ecology? What What are you, like, focusing on right now?
3: Totally. Um, so uh, I guess I would categorize myself as a community ecologist. Um, so mostly I'm interested in relationships between different species and uh, food web type effects, things eating other things, and how that can be affected by a species being, say, introduced from somewhere it hasn't evolved um, and changes in abundance over time and what causes that? So, so invasive species
1: type type stuff and, uh so what are you focusing on right now? Like, what's, yeah. your, what's the thing that's, like, eating up your brain?
3: Oh, there is something. That's All a right. great question. Um, so currently I'm working on a project where I'm looking at how uh, zooplankton, so tiny animals in freshwater um, systems, uh, abundances change with moon cycles.
1: Okay. Huh. Which Whoa. is really
3: cool and requires uh, a statistical proficiency I currently lack, but I'm working on. <laughs> it's very kind of cool stuff.
1: Huh. Interesting. Okay. So this is like this is, like, the little... Like copepods or whatever in totally the, in the sea that like that like all the all the whales and stuff eat. <laughs> Yeah, so, in so fresh like whales, yeah. whales starve in in moonlight, and then like, how does, so what so, what happens? How so, how does this work?
3: Totally. So um, zooplankton. So uh, again, I work in freshwater, water, not uh, not no whales, unfortunately. Okay. Not that that really matters. Um, but uh, that uh, matters. Come on, <laughs> everyone wants whales. <laughs> Let's be real. I here. wish I worked <laughs> with whales. Um, so basically, so zooplankton are a little. They're mostly food for everything else, right? right. Um, and because they're food, and they would die out pretty quick if things were able to eat them. No matter what, um, they have evolved strategies to avoid being eaten at all times. So, uh, when fish feed, usually during the daytime, they hide deep in the water where Mm. fish have a harder time seeing them. And then, when fish are resting because they can't see at night, they come up into the water and eat their food. Um, But this can also be affected by lunar cycles. So, if the zooplankton knows to come up at night because it's safe, well, what happens during a full moon? Mm. Well, now suddenly huh. it's the time of day when it's supposed to be safe, but it's bright out. So they still go up, but the fish can see them and oh, eat them. And so their abundances kind of go down.
1: So it's like a catch-22: either go up and be eaten or stay down and starve. Exactly. Ugh. Hard life for a zooplankton. Poor okay, bastards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's brutal. Yeah, being the bottom of the food web is not a... Not yeah, a it's, it's
3: pretty great being a human. I a think. Yeah. Wait, so what does a zooplankton eat? Ah, yes. Um, So they'll eat phytoplankton, so right. tiny microscopic plants. Okay. And then they eat... Well, they make their own food, like a regular land plant.
1: I was actually reading about a thing about plankton this week. I don't know if you came across this. People trying to categorize these, like, protists who are kind... That, that, that like, aren't really phytoplankton or zooplankton. They're, like, both they like they can photosynthesize but they mm. also like engulf things and eat them and sort of like right. mess with that that like linear like top down food web dynamic yeah. that's like a pretty like alpha move to be able to create
0: your own, <laughs> own nourishment but to not do that and to just eat other people instead yeah they're like
3: <laughs>
1: tiny venus flytraps and triphids. weird i
3: was, was going to say like a venus flytrap right yeah. they're still photosynthetic they make their own food but they can also eat other things yeah, yeah uh-huh. to get the requisite nutrients uh, that's the reason for that one.
1: Would it be possible ever for plankton to be like the top of a food chain? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what would that have to look like? Ooh, well,
3: I mean, again, top bottom. Th- these are all just kind of terms we come up with to make to make things easier. So usually, you might consider the top being what's driving changes. Mm. So it's quite possible there's certain systems where plants, you know, drive everything above it. You'd right. call that sort of a bottom up sort of strategy or okay. system, uh, but. We, we, just because of how we organize things, are always at the bottom. Yeah,
1: because <laughs> humans like to be at the top of everything. Exactly, right. whatever we do is the
3: top, so everyone else is below it.
1: I guess that makes sense. No one wants to think of themselves as worm food. No, <laughs>
3: <laughs> we are eventually though. Yeah, depressing.
0: Huh. That's interesting though. Like I, I've never thought about how like us being the dominant species kind of dictates the way that we narrate that sort of stuff right like
3: absolutely
0: you know it gives us such a huge bias about like who's in charge yeah like are we even dominant really
3: well it depends how you define that right so certainly by number mammals are a tiny tiny proportion right insects rule the planet by number but as far as effects are concerned uh any sort of measurement you would take on what's changing in the world is all humans. so certainly on how things our influence, we have the largest influence just because we're jerks and we take up so many resources. <laughs>
0: Who, who's in second place? Is, is that like a, a known thing?
3: Or? Wow, that's a really interesting question. Um, if you were to categorize based on effects it has on everything else, I'd have to think about that. Well, it's probably
1: whales. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my educated guess. Whales are the answer to most things. They're the big ones. they you know. I don't know. Could it? Be, I mean, maybe it would be diseases that prey on humans then, because if, if humans have a huge change, then we well, can certainly of the think of things
3: then. that affect more organisms than just people. Well, I guess I guess if you frame it that way, one thing that leapt to mind was earthworms. Earthworms can have tremendous effect on mm. the whole ecosystem, huh. um, and actually, earthworms are non-native to North America. Really, right? that's something I found interesting. Well, They're all from Europe. Huh. And so t- we like
0: exported them over. Uh,
3: I don't think it was purposeful. It was probably an unintentional thing, right? On on soil gets huh. brought in goes all over the place. That's interesting.
1: So like people always talk about how earthworms are like the things that make gardens good at being gardens. So like what did that job before there were earthworms in North America?
3: Right. So earthworms are really important in soil for uh, uh, recycling nutrients. So they will eat detritus, so dead things, leaves, and break them down to smaller parts so that other things can break those down. So like bacteria and fungus, fungi, I guess. Um, So they're they really speed up the process of recycling nutrients. So mm. you can compare a forest without earthworms and a similar forest width. And the difference in vegetation is incredibly profound. Right. So what did the job before is just uh, nutrient recycling would have been a lot slower. So okay. we had bacteria and fungi, but just no sort of larger uh detritivore organisms. Interesting. So there,
1: did that actually like change the entire profile of our forests when those when like earthworms were introduced to North America?
3: Absolutely. It, it changes everything when you change the nutrient cycling re- regime, how quickly things get turned around, the space wow. is created in the soil. It has a uh, huge ramifications. That's crazy because
1: that means that like even those places that we think of as like the pristine like, like national parks and the places that like no one's supposed to touch, e- we don't even Nothing's Those don't pristine. even look like they were <laughs> they're used to. No, there's been a lot Sorry of studies me.
3: actually to compare like supposedly pristine habitats, national parks, to surrounding non-protected habitats to see like number of invasive species as one sort of uh, category of of influence of humans, and they're not nearly yeah. as pristine as we think. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, weird. Uh, you need to put up a gigantic wall
3: <laughs> around well.
1: Yellowstone or something. I mean, there might be some gigantic
0: walls built soon, right? Oh no, let's not talk (laughs) too soon. (laughs) I I just realized it's going to be
1: after the election when we post this. Though we don't know what happened, but (laughs) they (laughs) do. I hope Donald Glover won. (laughs) (laughs) He's a good guy. (laughs) Enjoy some childish
0: Gambino. (laughs) He's going to be Lando in the new Star Wars. Yes, that's That's crazy. Yeah, so
1: excited.
3: He's so joyful.
1: Yes, he's gonna. I hope he grows the mustache. He, I know how mustache, to. right? Like Always. Good, yeah. Since, since a baby. Yeah. You yeah. can't knock the mustache. Dude, who's, young, who's Young Han? Do we know that?
3: <laughs> and some nobody. They do know who it is. Some
0: nobody. Yeah. Okay. No, like for real. I think the guy was like a model before and then they just
1: hired him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's kind of yeah. like Harrison Ford, right? Wasn't Harrison Ford a model before? He was, he was a was carpenter,
3: there? wasn't he? Isn't that the... That's right? Jesus, actually. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <My> well, <bad. laughs> Harrison
1: Ford is, is sometimes like Jesus. He died for his son's sins. No, never mind. It's a
3: true story. He was like a carpenter and then someone picked him up to be like an extra in a movie and then. Oh figured, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally.
1: Hmm, cool. I've seen he's in American graffiti, which is the first thing that Lucas did. And he's right. like super young in that. He's like twenty or something. It's like it's weird. <laughs> Harrison Ford is an odd person. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but incredibly charming. I was just talking about Indiana Jones to someone. Oh yeah. That character is so
0: yeah. For a second, I thought you were about to say that you were just
1: talking to Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "What?"
3: <laughs> I'm gonna report back. You dissed him, and uh, yeah. oh, that's, that's true
1: though. Harry. Like Indiana Jones is such a great like like person to like. Yeah, when you're when you're an academic, right? Because he's this badass with a whip, <laughs> yes. And yet he's always like, oh,
3: "This belongs in a museum." <laughs> the only cool professor <laughs> in any media, yeah.
1: Yeah, him and Michael Caine, and Michael Caine has his own <laughs> thing going on.
3: <laughs> Different kind of cool.
1: I mean, is Michael Caine a professor? He's a he's a professor in a lot of movies. He's like like in, in Inception, he's a professor in. Uh, oh right. Christopher Nolan always casts him as either a professor or a butler. Like those are, his, <laughs> those are his two roles. Those are like radically different jobs. Are they though? Are they really? It's typecasting uh, British people, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much just typecasting Michael Caine. But they both have this, this air of like gravitas. Right? Sure. Like, yeah. Like you want to have someone who
3: of duty.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was thinking in terms
0: of like pay scale. Yeah, and they'd be like pretty oh, significantly. I suppose different. that's
1: true. Yeah, but they're they're both they're both like a performance of upper class, right? Yeah. No, the the butler is like a servant technically, but he's he belongs in that upper class world.
3: I would argue they're more about prestige than money as well. Professors hmm. do not make a, a ton of money. <laughs> 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 Which he was also in. <laughs>
1: yes. Anyway, I guess that's true. He wasn't. A, was he a professor? Uh, wasn't he a magician? I can't I, I remember. Didn't see that movie? I. I he, remember was like what he was like a magician, coach? but he was like a professory type magician. <laughs> like, he taught know, illusions kind. <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: it's a very strange movie but I love it for some Prestige? reason yeah. yeah there's a
1: lot of like weird philosophical ramifications of that movie Yeah, people
3: hate it but I mean David Bowie
1: is David Bowie in it?
3: yeah he plays I haven't seen Tesla it. which is the best casting. oh shoot yeah I forgot
1: about that <laughs> he does yeah and then there's Hugh Jackman who <laughs> always kills himself just every night he oh, kills. Spoiler himself. warning. <laughs> spoiler alert. We already said David Bowie's in it. And spoiler alert, David Bowie's dead, so Whoa. <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. Speaking of dead
0: things, this Ecology. is actually a question that I, I thought might you might be able to give us some insight oh into. Oh gosh, I hope. Uh, Tim is wearing a shirt uh, that we just released on our merch store.
3: Yes.
0: Um that is This is the Saiga Antelope.
1: You may have heard of it before.
3: My, I um, knew it was an antelope, but, you know, that's a whole category yeah, of organisms. The saiga
1: antelope is this antelope in, like, Ukraine and oh. Kazakhstan or something. Uh, something like um, that, yeah. That, ca- like, just every once in a while, like, three quarters of them die, just, like, like over the course of a few weeks. They just all die. And no one really knows why. Interesting. And there was, like, a huge die-off last, like, this when we were starting the podcast, and so it became a story, huh. and so it became, like, this inside joke. That's why the, the saiga <laughs> antelope says literally dying, okay. right? Um. But, we, yeah, were you aware of this story? Do you know anything about...
3: You know, uh, in all seriousness, it does sound familiar, but no, I do not know much more about that aside from just pop science articles. You don't know what would
1: (laughs) cause most of an entire population to suddenly (gasps) heal over? Well, I mean, there's
3: so many... Whales I would blame first and foremost. Um, There's several reasons why that might happen. What what I would sort of guess, perhaps, is if it's already a small-ish population, what tends to happen... Just um, numbers-wise, is you end up having breeding with organisms that are closely related. Uh, it's it's mm-hmm. okay in the animal kingdom outside humans, I guess. <laughs> um, oh. But what happens from that is their genes become more and more similar, and then if a disease comes into a population, everyone is pretty vulnerable, oh. right? Which is. Uh, something that happens with cheetahs. So cheetahs are a population that's really small. Um, so they're very closely related, and so oftentimes, if a disease comes in, it can kill off many members of a single population, and that's why they're so endangered. Um, and also why bananas are going extinct.
1: Oh yeah, wow. I know about the I know about the banana thing. <laughs> yeah, like bananas are, are bananas
3: actually going extinct,
1: or are they just they are. worried that they're going to?
3: No, they. Well, I mean, uh, kind of, kind of both. I mean, whether they will or not is a probability thing, but um, they are decreasing in abundance, huh. and they have gone extinct before, yeah. a, a, a previous species of banana.
0: Oh, is that the one that all the banana candy tastes like?
1: <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> actually, like, it actually, apparently, uh, John Green did a video on this, apparently the, the banana candies, while being artificial, still do t- taste more like the bananas of That's the 50s really than the bananas of nowadays. They well, were, yeah, there you go. More pungent, I that guess. That
3: makes sense, yeah, if, it, huh. if, if that candy's that old and they use the same... Chemicals as they used to, yeah. Weird.
1: Yeah. So is that is that like a big problem? Like, can we can we just find another species of banana? So or? that's
3: what people are working on, or how to stop the fungus that's killing them all. So it's the mm-hmm. same disease that killed off the previous species. That's um, kind of running amok throughout um, different plantations and spreading. So it's it's on every continent that grows bananas. Um, Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, and we don't have a backup banana. That's the problem. Um, there's many species of different types of banana and plantain, but there's none that are as palatable. So, hmm. um, yeah, it's very possible that our grandchildren will not have bananas.
1: And they'll just well, have to get used to crappy bananas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, grandchild. We had good bananas. Yours tastes like sawdust <laughs> back in my day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Would there be a way to like
0: to like counteract that, to like start working toward the preservation of bananas, which is a weird <laughs> phrase that I never thought I'd say?
3: Right. Well, well. the problem with the banana, right, is it's um, uh, a triploid. So, uh, so, you know, how we have our, in, our, in our DNA, we have two copies of every chromosome. Yeah. So in them, they have three copies of every chromosome. And that was done purposefully to keep them from growing seeds. OK. Um, and so if you see a banana that has seeds in it, It's this giant fruit that has a bunch of these huge pits, and it would be a horrible thing to eat. So by making it a triploid, you just concentrate the fruit without the seeds. Oh, fascinating. Um, But the problem with that is to to grow more bananas, you can't plant a seed, right? So you have to use vegetative propagation. So you just cut off a branch, stick it in the ground, basically, and grow grow new plants. They're all identical. Hmm. So... The best thing to do would be to, A, either find a, uh, find another species of banana or kill the fungus. And I, I'm pretty confident someone, many people are working on that. Right.
1: Yeah, it <laughs> so, seems like it's something that would be a priority.
3: Right? Yeah.
1: Wow. So do they still have, like, the original strain of the, like, the diploid strain of the banana somewhere in a vault? So, like, seeds of the original banana? I imagine...
3: But um, it doesn't solve the problem of it being identical. Yeah. Stuff. What
1: do you think? Like, do you think that like, this is something that GM could solve? Like it, Not General Motors, but like <laughs> genetic <laughs> modification. <laughs> hey, General Motors, come <laughs> in here and like, fix our bananas. Because no, they're we know doing you're great. focused on hockey right now. But like, <laughs> <laughs> Wait. No. That's a different GM. Yes, that's the general manager of something. <laughs> there are lots of general managers of things that are called GMs.
0: Admittedly, I have never actually realized until this moment that General Motors had nothing to do with hockey.
3: <laughs> I thought you were referring to, say, the Detroit Red Wings, but um, perhaps. Mm. I'm sure they're involved somehow there.
1: They're, they're probably in cahoots with the whales in this international <laughs> banana murder. They fly down. the whales over and crush the antelopes <laughs> with them. Yeah, yeah so is, is like genetic modification a viable strategy for this kind of thing? Like, Do they know the mechanism by which the plant gets killed?
3: uh yeah so they know the fungus they know what the fungus does um but you can't just say make make up a designer gene and stick it in and, and make it immune that's not something we can currently do right. so kind of hoping someone you know one of the plants has a spontaneous mutation that makes them immune and then you can use that strain to grow a bunch of bananas um but manufacturing something is something that as far as i know we do not have the technology to do
0: mm. would like
1: would CRISPR be able to do that? CRISPR. <laughs> let's talk about CRISPR. This is my, the thing that I'm, I've, yeah, everyone's raving about, but I just did a video about CRISPR. So, because cool. like, because
0: okay. you saying that like manufacturing a designer gene to put into it is not a thing we're capable of, but I thought that's what CRISPR was. So well, now I'm confused.
1: Here's here's the thing with CRISPR is that like until you like no one knows how to make a gene that does a thing, right? They only know how to find a like if they find a gene somewhere else that already does it. Then you can plunk it in and like, so say you find another species of fungus that like hates this particular fungus and can kill it with really powerful toxins or something. Then you can put it into the banana and the banana will do its job. But you like, you can't use CRISPR to like create that. But you can't like type out a sequence and be like, this is the sequence (laughs) that will kill all the fungus. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Right. It's It's an open problem, protein folding problem and stuff. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Is that was I right? I would about concur. That? <laughs> you probably know more about CRISPR than I do, but as bit.
3: far as um, yes, we certainly have the capabilities of cutting out genes from certain species and you know splicing them into other species to confer different abilities. But yeah, you can't just make up an ability if right. you don't know it mm-hmm. already exists. It has to exist first. It's currently, yeah. but I'm sure we'll get there.
1: Hmm. Yeah, there's actually a lot of talk about um, like using CRISPR for like invasive species stuff, um, in terms of like. Like you, do you know about gene drives? Are you aware of this this phenomenon? No, <coughs> so a,
3: I don't do much genetic work.
1: So, so the CRISPR is it's basically a little scissors, right? You it, it can cut and then get something else to paste in and whatever. So the idea of a gene drive is that you actually put into the organism a copy of CRISPR itself, and then when it mates with another like member of its species, that you know CRISPR is in there that can do the the modifications on its offspring. Right, so instead of the the usual like tree of like you know half of them get the trait and half of them don't, you can program it so that every offspring gets that trait. Wow! Right, so like a hundred percent, like huge you know ability to propagate. So people talk about like, well, we could just like release one lamprey with like a kill gene in mm. it into the you know the Great Lakes or something, and then like wipe out all the lampreys over a few generations.
0: Why would you want to do that?
1: Because lamp lampreys suck. <laughs> <laughs> They're. Be- have you seen a lamprey? Literally. It's just. It's just a big garden hose with a.
0: Fang oh, I don't face. like those. I'm not googling that. <laughs> I know what you're talking.
3: About. They're horrifying. <laughs> They're
0: creepy. I'm fine with. Yeah, let's kill them off.
3: <laughs> I collected one once as bycatch. I was, I was studying fish in the St. Lawrence, and I caught one, and I was bringing it back for my supervisor, but it just kept like floating around the boat and freaking me out so i just released the damn thing but yeah they're terrifying looking and they are quote-unquote bad because the things we value as humans such as fishery fishes they have a significant impact on their populations
1: but they're also like they're also an invasive species right like they
3: (sighs) well it depends so um the sea lampreys native to certain parts of the great lakes and non-native to certain parts of the great lakes okay and it it becomes tricky when you categorize them as a non native species. Mm-hmm. But broadly speaking, yeah, they're mostly non native.
1: Okay. Huh. Yeah. The the of course the like the main problem with doing that for invasive species is that then if it back invades to its native country by right. accident, oh. then suddenly you just you just wipe out the entire population. Absolutely. <laughs> huh. yeah. I guess you want to avoid that. <laughs> yeah. Usually. Probably. Although it depends. Like people have like with mosquitoes, for example, people talk about this to like wipe out malaria. And they're like, would it? Would we be able to, could we just kill that species of mosquito? Would that be so bad? We just, you know, what do you think uh, well, of
3: that? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a tough one, you know, because uh, it's hard to know the value of a species until it's gone, right? Mm-hmm. What other significant impacts it has. But I yeah. mean, just looking at a mosquito as a human, you'd, you'd think that whatever Im- negative Im- implications of getting rid of it w- would be exceeded by humans being able to survive these diseases that account for such huge proportions of deaths.
1: Yeah, you would think so, but then you don't know until you <laughs> but do you the experiment. you don't know until it's too late, right? <laughs> like, what, like, do we know
0: what, like, good mosquitoes do? Like, do they have, like, a, a, a positive thing that they accomplish? Things must eat them, right? Yeah, right?
3: Absolutely, things things eat them, but uh, would they not just eat other things? Like, right. there's nothing, I mean, so there are species of fish called... Uh, well, common name, their common names are mosquito fish. There's two different uh, species that That's are called terrifying. mosquito fish. <laughs> 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 they look like mosquitoes. They're no. just swimming. <gasps> <Ow. laughs>
1: That's just leeches.
3: <laughs> yeah. No, they just, they, they eat, they're insect, so they eat insects, but not particularly mosquitoes. And so what happens often, they're one of the most invaded, uh, most introduced rather, um, fishes, because mm. people will have uh, an inv- uh, an area that's besieged by mosquitoes or has West Nile, say, and you want to get rid of them. So you introduce these fish, right. um, but they don't just eat mosquitoes. As far as I know, nothing just eats mosquitoes. Right. So they're generalists. They eat lots of insects. So right. if one species is gone, would the rest just, you know, fill in <laughs> that place? Maybe.
1: Hmm. Who knows? Yeah, with with malaria, there's actually like a better solution that people are talking about, which is that they've figured out how to make a malaria-resistant mosquito with, with CRISPR. Yes, yeah. Um, so then <laughs> if, you, if you put a gene drive in that and you send it through the population, maybe you can... Well, I mean, it's arguable whether this is better or worse. You still get all the mosquito bites, but none of them are infectious. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I would say that's better. So if you that. prefer that solution, <laughs> if you're fine with being besieged by mosquitoes that don't kill you, <laughs> hmm. then, yeah, I guess that's preferable. But even that, people are concerned that we don't know what the full ramifications would be.
3: Right. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, again, it's not the mosquito that gives you malaria, right? Yeah. It's, it's just the mosquito that carries the, the <laughs> malaria organism. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, the
1: whales who are giving you malaria. That's for sure.
3: So the, if the organism persists, then they'll just tag along with something else, perhaps. Mm,
1: could be. And the other the other question is, if the organi- if you don't wipe out malaria entirely, then you end up with a resistance-resistant malaria. Totally. And then all of a sudden, maybe it kills humans <laughs> like ten times as fast. Oh wow! So.
3: just like antibiotics, right? Yep.
1: That's so this, not good. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with this. Yeah, this universal arms race among exactly. diseases and the things they kill. Yeah, deep. Wow, whales! <laughs> you guys seen Star Trek, the one with the whales? The one with the whales.
3: What? There's a Star Trek <laughs> with whales.
1: You never. Oh, uh, I think it's Star Trek Four. Yeah, Is that, that the, the, right. the Voyage Home. They they uh, <laughs> they tr- so they they like there's some mysterious um probe that's been sent to like it's coming at Earth. And it's sending these like ultrasonic low frequencies at Earth that are like ruining cities and destroying everything, and then they like they like s- enhance the signal and like speed it up, and they realize that it's whale song, and they're like, we're so confused because all the the humpback whales are already dead, and maybe they're trying to communicate with the humpback whales, but they can't because we killed them all, so they have to go back in time to 1985, and like, it, I think it's, it's somewhere in the 80s and like get a bunch of humpback whales and bring them to like 24th century earth wow so that those whales can answer and then they they finally do and there's lots of hijinks with star trek people being in the 80s and then they they finally come back to modern times and they put the whales in the sea and the whales respond and then they get lifted up into space it's very nice
3: <laughs> i definitely need to see this now but no <laughs> i have not seen this movie
1: yeah so they, uh, apparently whales are an alien <laughs> yeah fair enough long ago we were sent here to to colonize earth and then we killed them
3: they are really weird it wouldn't surprise me completely yeah they have hip bones that's weird what i mean they don't have
1: hips well doesn't don't, don't all mammals have hip bones
3: uh do all mammals have hip bones probably Mm. So the reason why whales have them is because so organisms all animals started in the ocean and then some came onto land and some of those went back into the ocean and so that's where you got your dolphins your whales and so if you look at them they have vestigial so useless hip bones.
1: Yeah, but like like mammals evolved on land, right? So any any mammal that ends up in the sea, yeah, totally, I guess must have must have at one time been a land creature. Yeah. <laughs> Tom's mind is blown <laughs> right now. Does that um,
0: mean there used to be whales with legs?
1: Yeah, kind of.
3: Yeah, kind of like hippo y looking, horsey animals are what became yeah. whales. So you, sort of, you sort of
1: end up in, as a swamp creature, and then maybe you transition to being like a manatee type creature, and then, then you go full whale. I'm into it. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely in favor. Do you feel like transitioning to ocean living? I feel like we could do it. Maybe. We could pull it off. It sounds expensive. I can't swim. No, me neither.
3: I can, I can. Oh, I can scuba dive though. You can't swim. That's interesting.
0: I feel like, okay, you you've got to explain how that happens. <laughs> how it, it's interesting that Tom can't swim, but you also can't. Okay, but no, no, no. It's so it, it's interesting that we both can't swim, but it's more interesting that you can scuba.
3: Yeah. Well, when I so when I finished my masters, I really wanted to live in Montreal for for many years. I wanted to live here, so I was Mm. basically just looking for a project that would allow me to live here. Um, And the project required that I do scuba diving. But to to scuba dive, you have to be able to swim. So I I took swimming lessons to learn how to doggy paddle, um, so that I could pass a scuba lesson. So I can't really swim, but I can scuba dive. (laughs) So what
1: did you scoop? What what was the purpose of the scuba in this? Yeah, what were you doing? Good
3: question. Um, I only used it one year. It was incredibly expensive for one thing. Um, so I was looking at a, a particular invasive species um, called round goby. So they're a little fish. Um, you probably have heard of uh, zebra mussels. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they're a predator of the zebra mussels. So they're from right. the same place in, in Europe and uh They invaded uh, the Great Lakes shortly after. Anyway, Hmm. so... That sounds uh,
1: potentially useful if you hate zebra mussels.
3: Well, yes, but (laughs) predators rarely control their prey. So they Uh, don't have a quantifiable effect on the zebra mussel abundance. Uh, But because of the zebra mussels, they were able to invade because there's a huge food, pile of food that no one else is really eating. So they were able to establish. Anyway, all that's to say, um, so... Round gobies are this really ugly fish. They kind of look like a catfish, so they live on the bottom, so their eyes are kind of closer together to the front, kind of like a, a mudskippery y type of thing. Um, and uh, they don't have swim bladders, so to to... Determine how many of them you have. You can't use other techniques like electrofishing, which causes all the fish to float up because of the water Hold on. Ladder.
1: Electrofishing? <laughs> <laughs> Explain this because I want to do yeah. this with my dad.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I believe you need permits to do this. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, that's an, a, a common misconception that it's easy to, you know, go out and do experiments on things like mice. And it's, it's really hard to do anything in science because you need... Uh, you know, there's so many stop stop gaps to make sure that you're, you know, ethically killing things. You need to kill things, right. and you, anyway, so even fish, you need a lot of permits to do anything. Uh, but electrofishing, so it's a very useful technique for for quantifying populations or diversity of fishes. You right. can basically carry this backpack and uh, electrocute the water, basically, and it it kills some animals, but mostly it just um stuns them so they kind Ooh. of float huh. to the top because of their swim bladder is a little balloon that you know makes them come to the surface and you can just g- grab them really easily mm. uh, but you can't do that with gobies so you could use nets but those are very kind of damaging to the environment mm. so a common way to measure how many you have is scuba surveys so they live on the bottom and you basically set up line transects and then go down and count them
1: huh and, uh, and you just like, there's a goby, there's another goby. What? <laughs> <One. laughs> you, you just like stay down there for an hour and.
3: <laughs> it doesn't take that quite that long. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you just kind of regulate your speed and you have a, a certain length and area that you kind of count them and you have a little ticker and count them. And you do enough of them that you can kind of average out your error right. of measurement. And uh, yeah.
1: So, this leads us to, to the most important <laughs> question I think that we've asked in this podcast so far How many gobies? <laughs>
3: The end of question. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, they're the most numerous vertebrate invader in the Great Lakes. Um, if you go scuba diving in the St. Lawrence, which everyone thought it was crazy for doing, but it's actually pretty beautiful. Uh, if you look at the bottom, it's all you see. So... Uh, how many? Is, is there, so it's how Like many? gobies <laughs> piled on gobies
1: <laughs> piled on gobies.
3: It kind of looks like that. They're oh, very gregarious. Yikes. They're very social, so they do pile up, and they're very curious about people. So if you're scuba diving, they start kind of coming towards you, and it's pretty. Do they adorable. pile on you? <laughs> I wish <Do> you like <laughs> lie down
1: on the bottom. They, like, they come, come and me. swarm over you like puppies.
3: I definitely didn't try it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm wishing I had. A um, like giant hand made of
0: gobies <laughs> comes up and grabs you. <laughs> so what would happen if you? say, had, like, an electrofishing party with some gobies <laughs> and you invited Moby.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: what? You have an electro-goby-moby party? Yeah. Okay. It'd
3: be a very chill dance party.
1: How, how does electrofishing compare to dynamite fishing? Is it, is it similar?
3: <laughs> Much less damaging, I would argue. I
1: suppose so, yeah.
3: And <laughs> bombing a bunch of fish.
1: <laughs> Dynamite fishing is the same thing, right? Mostly, like it. I I don't think it kills fish most of the time. Right. It's like the shock (laughs) stuns them and then they float to the surface.
3: I'm sure it kills a lot more than you would have. Probably, yeah. (laughs) Without (laughs) the explosives, how do you
1: detonate?
0: How do you detonate dynamite
1: underwater? Dynamite need fire for that. Uh, No, you you can like electrical. But actually, there like dynamite a fuse. You can get fuses that burn without. Oxygen, so they'll they'll keep burning underwater. Um, Weird, yeah. And then dynamite doesn't need oxygen to explode; it's just got its own oxygen within it. That's what makes it explosive. Right. Um. So, yeah. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, it's unstoppable. (laughs) Wow. Yeah.
3: Dynamite fishing. Hmm. There you (laughs) have (laughs) it.
0: So uh, we do have a Patreon question. Oh, we do. Uh, Patreon from an awkward pause. Well, I I always try to bring it in about halfway through the show. Yeah, we're close. We're close. Uh, So this week's Patreon question comes from Patrick, who asks what we think of drones. He didn't specify if we meant if he meant like Amazon drones or like military drones or like. (laughs) Long sustained notes that I'm surprised you haven't been doing since the first time I said the word drone. I was thinking about male bees or male bees. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, kind of floor is open. We can talk about any kind of drones we want. What do you think about male bees, Katie? <laughs> How do you feel about
3: bees? They're they're fantastic. Bees yeah. are fascinating. That's bees something cool. I was I've always been interested in. I was never I was never really super interested in animals as a kid, but anything with insects, bees, social insects, super mm. badass.
1: Tell us about bees. What do you know about <laughs> bees?
3: I, I know they're in trouble. Uh, I know a lot of people who work on bees. It's certainly not my specialty, but um, uh, they're, they're another sort of ecosystem engineer. Without them, uh, it's arguable we wouldn't have enough food to survive mm. um, because they're key pollinators. Um, definitely
1: not enough like apples and things. <laughs> we probably well, didn't get any honey.
3: It's not just animals; <laughs> right? Every plant needs to be fertilized. We probably
1: wouldn't have honey, though. You'll grant us that <laughs> without bees.
3: Honey abundance would go down, for sure. <laughs>
1: We'd just get our honey from somewhere else. You know. <laughs>
3: Whales. Bee vomit. Mm. Uh, drones, yeah. It's, uh, certainly, like, the air drones are very... They're a, a huge new tool for science that are, are really... Really interesting and have a huge amount of promise to them. And certainly, cool. I haven't I haven't used them, but for spatial analysis or or you know looking over experiments and stuff, it could save tons of money and time. And you don't have to yeah. like
1: hire hire a pilot to fly over your field and see what's going on. You just totally. send it yeah. up. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. It's a lot cheaper to send a GoPro <laughs> than to hire a helicopter. Yeah. In my experience, <laughs> <laughs> so, as, as in the yeah the many helicopters I have hired for various experiments. <laughs> The drones seem cheaper. They keep going on strike though, which is annoying. Wait, what? The drones? Drones? Like drones strikes? Not (laughs) not a good, not a good joke. Not. I'm sorry. I apologize (laughs) to my friends and family for that joke. It was a one out of ten joke. That was a one out of ten.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. I thought you meant. I thought maybe like it was documented
1: that male bees were like not. Working
0: anymore? <laughs> well, they
1: don't. They don't work. They just sit around mostly, right? Really? Male bees, like they, their job is like the females are the worker bees. They go out and they work, work, work. No, I um, believe those are all males.
3: Really? Aren't they?
1: I thought the isn't there I, just oh, no, one no, female know. bee and she's no, 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 the no. Queen? There's like the, there's the the sterile female bees that go out and do their honey cat collecting, and then the male drones just sort of stick around the hive and they feed and then they like impregnate the queen and die. I think like that's their their task?
3: Now I don't know. I, I I thought they were all male, but no, I, mm. no, no, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. Because <laughs> there, you, you can't possibly just have one female bee. Oh wait, no, maybe it's ants. Is it ants where
3: no, there's
0: the just ants are, one female?
1: No, the ants, the the ants are female too. I think most worker ants. Well, that's not it.
0: what the movie Ants told me. <laughs> well, and you, I'm inclined to
1: believe that. That's DreamWorks. They don't do their research. <laughs> if you guys talk about a thing for a second, I will look up what sex are bees. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you get the words right in like in the
0: right order in that <laughs> Google
1: search. What bees are sex? <laughs> well, yeah. What, what, which
3: what? Is, which is the sexiest bee?
1: What is a sex the, bee? The B from
0: <laughs> the B from B movie is the sexiest oh, B.
3: I haven't seen that movie. It's Jerry
1: Seinfeld I, as a I bee. I know it's, and I
3: love Jerry Seinfeld.
1: It's weirdly sexy. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Drone, (laughs) bee. A drone is a male bee that is the product of an unfertilized egg. Unlike the female worker bee, drones do not have stingers and do not gather nectar and pollen. A drone's primary role is to mate with a fertile queen. Wait, 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 wait. An unfertilized egg? Yeah. So bees only have to fertilize their eggs to make females, I guess? Yeah. And then if you... So there's there's the unfertilized eggs make males, the fertilized eggs make females, and the fertilized females, if you give them a lot of royal jelly, turn into queens. They're really weird. Wait, wait, bees is are, weird. is royal jelly a real thing? I'm surprised your company doesn't sell royal jelly. <laughs> actually. It's a pretty common like supplement and stuff. Really? Um, but yeah, huh. it's 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 this like weird jelly-like substance that bees extrude, and then they feed it to larvae to turn them into queen bees.
3: Huh. My partner's um shampoo and conditioner have royal jelly in it, and I wonder is it, is, it, is that does that convey a smell? Is there any sort of positive... It might
0: be turning your partner into a queen bee.
3: <laughs> Explains so much. And
0: <laughs> makes you lord of the bees. Huh.
1: Has your has your partner tried like going out and um just pointing at bees and telling them to do things?
3: No, but uh I will instruct them to do so. Cool. <laughs> That's a
1: good idea. <laughs> mm. What other drones are there? Mm, I guess there are those there's, there's that kind of drone. Mm. Yeah. We had we had some drone going on today. Did we? Yeah, outside. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we have we have this small strip of grass outside it's our like apartment. It's a decent sized strip of yeah. It's like a medium strip. It's a nice strip of grass. It's like a chicken strip. Yeah. So once but we we had like apparently the landlord has people who come around and like like tidy up the grass and weed whack it and stuff. So Tom, in, Tom came to came into the kitchen. Are you okay with me telling this? Yeah, story? I walked into the kitchen and and I'm like, you know, I, I
0: realize this is the most like white y thing I've ever said in my life, but I really hate having a gardener. Because <laughs> <laughs> the gardener comes like once or twice a week for like four hours. And it's just like weed whackers and lawnmowers right outside my office window all day. And I'm like, I'm working, I don't want to hear this. It's an impressively long time, yeah, too.
1: yeah, they must have like premium grass treatment, whatever they're doing to it, because like I used to mow lawns and it would take me like ten minutes to do that, and then just go on with my life,
3: perhaps he's paid by the hour,
1: mm, perhaps he's made by the <laughs> blade, paid by the blade well what I realize is that he does the
0: people across the street too, mm, so it what it is more likely is that I just hear like he just oh. goes across the street and keeps going, right, mm, which would explain why it takes so long, but it's still like we could do it like a quarter of as often and it would be fine
3: i don't understand lawns yeah it's always upset me mm. <laughs> manicured grass it's so artificial yeah why yeah. yeah. can't you just let it be like natural putting nail
1: polish on every little blade it's it's horrifyingly expensive
3: plus all the like the, the fertilizers you put on there and chemicals it's so unnecessary yeah. and yeah, i think it looks sure. nicer just a natural little grassland <laughs> I, I at
1: most understand <laughs> trimming it once in a while
0: because right. otherwise you're going to have like crazy tall grass and like Pokemon are going to jump out at you when you come out of the house and you don't want that.
1: It'd <laughs> be so great. Like you come out of your house and occasionally just like a tiny lion attacks you. <laughs> it <think> would <laughs> <that'd> be great. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe like take it home and feed it. Would not you want a lion? I want a lion.
3: A baby lion would be yeah. adorable. I guess baby a baby. Lion.
0: Yeah. One that like hasn't like imprinted on anyone yet. So it like <laughs>
1: thinks you're its parent. Yeah. And then what if he's on our side? Right. And then yeah. we, could have, we could have a lion.
3: He will definitely eat you. Yeah. <laughs>
1: really? Do you think if like if I
0: met a baby lion like fresh out the womb, do you think that it would like it would assume I'm its parent, right? Do you think it would eat me eventually?
3: I don't know. I think that's a risk I would never take. But certainly, people have these large cats, right? I yeah. Think, I think it can either it's illegal or it can be legal. I don't it know. Must it must be illegal to can't have. A, possibly. But, <laughs> yeah. but I think lion, you can get large animal. Uh, permits right. but i imagine you would need to have some sort of large land area but you see i see videos on youtube i don't know why i'm watching these videos of like <laughs> dudes in an apartment with a tiger I'm yeah sure I, mean, not I think legal. i know why you're watching
1: those
0: videos <laughs> they sound great
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i feel like lions are like they, they might be a safer bet than a lot of other types of cats right because they are social right they have they have their own pride so if you can if you can convince them that you're like a you know a pride member that they're supposed to like like and respect then maybe they'll
3: but a Maybe male, they a male lion will kill all other. Well, don't get a males. male
1: lion. Why would you do that? <laughs> you gotta get a lioness. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I I wouldn't trust a tiger. Tigers just look like gigantic. Yeah, they're eating also machines. so much bigger. If you've yeah.
3: ever seen a lion, lions are small. Well, the really comparatively,
1: they're still they're still large enough to eat a giraffe. Yeah, but the lions like are it. always
3: the, seen as the, like the badass of the giant cats. Yeah. really, a tiger is the biggest, but even like a leopard's much larger.
1: Well, ligers are bigger,
3: <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> and they're known for their skills in magic.
0: <laughs> Have
1: you seen a liger, Tom? I've never seen a liger. No, I know they exist. Yeah, they're I've they're gigantic. There's something about the, about like. What is it? It's, it's a male lion and a I don't know which. Tiger? They both exist. There's a yeah, tie and and, and, yeah, yeah, exactly.
3: But I don't know which is which. Yeah.
1: But, yeah, they're just, for some reason, they're gigantic. They're, like, way bigger than lions or tigers. Doesn't make sense. Genetics is weird. Biologists, explain.
3: <laughs> I know very little about genetics. <laughs> I, I mean, I kind of get that,
0: though. Like, let's take our friend Josiah Henderson, who designed the uh, Saiga Antelope t-shirt that you can buy at tpublic.com. He is substantially taller than both of his parents. Yeah, but one of his parents is not a lion and the other one is not a tiger. I'm not sure where you're going with this. Well, I mean, mean, like, what I mean is, like... (laughs) it's not unheard of for like a child to be bigger than its parents.
3: So, I mean, so again, <laughs> my understanding of this is fairly limited, but height is not one of those things like eye, eye color say that's controlled by like a couple genes. Height right. is controlled by many, many, many genes. Mm. So it could be, uh, I don't, I don't know. It shouldn't be multiplicative though. It should just be sort of random within the kind of range of, probability of but there could family be, members yeah.
1: there could be something about like both a tiger and a lion have like a growth hormone gene and in the natural order of things like one of them turns the other one off or something and then they don't and they when you mix them so you end up with two I don't know could be
3: maybe Make that's a good, good idea I can think of I
1: read a paper float this theory not do any research <laughs> put it out <laughs> yeah put it on the science. bio archive or there whatever <laughs> <laughs> that's how science works yeah You just say things and then people give you money.
3: Oh my God, if only.
1: (laughs) That's kind of how Patreon works. That's how theoretical (laughs) physics works.
3: But yes, that's also how Patreon works. More Patreon than science, yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, my my background is like theoretical physics, so that's pretty close to what you do. If you Like when you get really up there, when when you've like established yourself as someone who knows what they're talking about, you just write like a hundred page papers that say things and you're like, maybe it's this, maybe it's this, maybe it's this. And you like, don't check anything. You say, everyone go, <laughs> out, go out and like, see if this is right. And then if anyone finds something that's true, you get the discovery. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, there's certainly theoretical ecologists as well. I'm more of an empiricist, but mm. um, yeah, there's, there's value to that approach for sure. Yeah. What, to, what
1: does a theoretical ecologist do?
3: Sort of the same thing. You just kind of come up with, usually usually there's a lot of mathematical models involved. uh, Mm. Probably the same for for that field of just kind of theoretical ideas of how how things work or why things are the way they are. And then exactly the same call to action of, okay, empiricists (laughs) go out and do experiments or field surveys to see if this is true. Mm.
0: Mm. So the the theorists sit around and say like, well, I mean, the cygantelops might be dying because of this. (laughs) And then the empiricists
1: go out and check. Pretty much, so. yeah.
3: That's uh, how it how how it often works. Or, or it can the impi- go the other way yeah. as well.
1: Or the empiricists tell their postdocs to go and check. <laughs> yes,
3: <laughs> that's much more likely.
1: <laughs> Sweet.
3: Yep. Cool.
1: So, so drones. Yes. drones. Yeah. Do you think that drones could solve the problem of bees going extinct? <laughs> <laughs> like, if you just had drones monitoring. Oh. Like all the time, where bees? Because no one really knows why bees are are like dying out, right? Like it's kind of it's kind of just one of those things that keeps happening, and like like saga antelopes, and people are like, there's could be this reason, there could be re- this reason, but no one's found like a smoking gun. It's probably uh, the whales.
3: <laughs> if we're being honest, yes. Um, no, I I don't think they do know what it is. But I'm sure it has something to do with climate change. Would right. Be my sort of bet. Um, but yeah, I don't think they do know what it is. I'm not sh- really sure how drones would be, you know. Well, you make solution. a tiny
1: drone bee. <laughs> okay. That is just like other bees. Right. You put it in as like a spy Has the same in pheromones. the hive. You get it to like talk to the other bees with their little bee butt Dance. dances. And then it, it, it like flies off with them and discovers things and just like lives the life of bees. <laughs> and, then, and then when it dies, you know why, right? <laughs>
3: It sounds foolproof. I hope so. <laughs> I will go out and do that. that researchers like a,
0: get on this. That sounds like a movie. A B movie. A B movie. Oh, it's already God. been done. A B movie too. This time it's personal. <laughs> <laughs> this time it's drones. <laughs> do you think, do you think like for a music video, you would get any use of it out of having like a GoPro
1: drone? Oh, I would love to have a GoPro drone. That'd be great. <laughs> Like just you know those those like pentatonics shots where like they're up on the like, mountain it's like them on a cliff and then like it flies by like you can either do that with a whole bunch of expensive like guy wire setups or something or a really really big dolly or you can just have a drone right hmm. and that would be that'd be pretty cool <laughs> that'd be cool I'd be down for that but I'd be even more down for like a hundred little bee drones <laughs> <laughs> could you put a little tiny GoPro on each of the bees I don't I don't know if GoPro makes things that small but
3: they will. They, they will. And mean? then there'll be a Planet Earth movie on it. I'm sure. <laughs> <Just> <laughs>
1: that's like probably that's filmed probably yeah. entirely
0: from the perspective of bees.
1: Planet Earth three. Maybe it'll just be entirely like tiny drones, oh. like infiltrating every ecological <laughs> nation in the world. And they could like, call
0: incredible. it. They could call it Planet Earth three B. <laughs> no. Like three D, <3D, laughs> but with a B.
1: One out of ten. Not a good. Yeah. So, uh, you guys want to do improv at each other? <laughs> <I'm>, like, <laughs> oh like, I'm, no! Like I'm kind of curious what you what you actually do because Tom always talks about like yeah, improv was great. We did a thing, and then he like tries to describe the scene as it went between like a bunch of different characters, but it's just him describing it. And uh, it's it's like when someone tells you about someone else doing something funny.
3: Right. He had to be there. Yeah,
0: it sounds like it would have been really good. Yeah, it's hard to explain like what made a good improv scene to someone who wasn't there because it's basically like trying to explain an inside joke.
3: Absolutely. Because that's Mm. what
0: the game is, really.
3: Well, so much of the magic of improv, I think, is uh, reveling in mistakes and things being spontaneous, and the audience being surprised, and all that requires that you saw the whole scene from the beginning and mm. were, you know, a witness to it developing. Mm. I think that's really where improv shines.
2: Interesting. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think yeah. Tim needs to do improv. Tom keeps trying to get me to do improv.
3: Oh, join the cult!
1: I know. It, it really feels like <laughs> it one, it.
3: Absolutely eh? is. It's definitely He's a, a level six. I'm a level oh, six. I'm <laughs> going
1: to get superpowers soon. You <laughs> fight. You can oh, fight oh, off man. the
0: beatings. <laughs> me and uh, me and one of the guys in my level six class uh, this past Saturday, we were starting our first class and uh, we're sitting there in the waiting room waiting for the things to start because we're early. And a guy comes and sits next to us we've never seen before. So we thought maybe he was in the like Monday night group or something and was finally doing Saturday. And we start talking to him, assuming he's level six. And uh, we we immediately just start like making jokes and like kind of messing with him. Thinking he's gonna play along, but he doesn't. <laughs> and we spent about five minutes doing this and like looking back and forth at each other, trying to figure out like, is, does this guy not realize that we're making jokes right now? Because he was being really earnest. And then at some point, he was like, So, how long have you guys been doing this? And we're like, oh, you know, a year, year and a half. He's like, wow, I just started last month.
3: <laughs> it turns out he was in level
0: two. <laughs> we felt really bad because we were like, oh, we've, we
1: were just messing with you this whole time.
3: Oops. A little Aww. newbie. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> so you have developed some sort of superpower. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Have you guys been messing with me this whole time? Oh, yeah. Yes. Katie's yeah, not actually test. a biologist. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, just, was, I just wandered in. <laughs>
0: I've always thought it'd be fun to like do a whole bunch of
1: research, and then
0: pretend to be an expert on something
1: for like an hour.
2: That'd
0: be
1: fun. Yeah, I thought about like just go- going into a bar and like sitting and- sitting beside somebody and trying to concoct like a whole other like personality and like life history for yourself and like see if you can pull it off.
3: Dude, that's improv.
1: Yeah, but I've never actually done it, right? I just, it's just one of those things where, like, could I do that? And then I'm like, no, I'm not suave or good at things. So you should take improv classes because I think if you did, you'd,
0: you'd develop some instincts that might make you a better liar. And then you wouldn't like, get oh, no. kicked out of the U.S. Or,
1: yeah, that would be good. I could fake my way past border security and stuff
3: like Wait, that. Wait, why are you lying to border security? <laughs> oh, it was, it was a
1: bad story. I've told this story before on the podcast. Tell it again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose for those if those of you who have heard this story before, I don't care. Um, <laughs> so I had this opportunity last May where I got, um, I, I, I got an email from somebody who's, who's who was the personal assistant of a rich person in Orange County who had a daughter um, who was really obsessed with my YouTube videos. Okay. Um, So I was on on like this high level. He he was like, she never talks about boys, but she's always talking about you now. It's weird. Um, And then I talked to her friends later and they were like, yeah, she always talks about boys, just not to her dad. Um, But they're... uh, so he she was having a sweet 16 party and he was like, I'm going to fly you out to perform oh for her God. sweet 16 party in Orange County. And I was like, that sounds good here. Let me quote <laughs> you this price that I think is too much money. And he was like, that sounds great. Let's do that. That's so that crazy. So it was like, OK, I can get like a bunch of some time in California. I have to spend one kind of awkward day at a 16 year old's birthday party <laughs> and then like like it'll be fine. I'll get a bunch of money. I'll be set for like a few months. Right. So it was really good. And I was supposed to like write this whole song for her. So I wrote her this whole parody of like Taylor Swift style, um, like about her life. And I like talked to her friends on the phone and like got all of their like inside jokes and stuff and like worked them in. And it was a really good thing. And the idea was that there was going to be like, I was going to be like a total surprise. There would be this video starts playing and then she thinks like, oh, that's so cool. Like they got Tim Blay to make me this thing. And then I actually pop out on stage. and it's like, (laughs) oh, double surprise. Um, so it was great, except I didn't know about work visas, um, and so about two weeks before, my brother-in-law's brother, I was talking to him about it. And he was like, "Hey, did you, did you you got a work visa?" Right? I was like, mm, "What? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> excuse me." He's like, "You need that. You're making enough money that you really going you need a work visa." So I looked it up, and it turned out it takes two months to get a work visa, <laughs> and I had two weeks, so I didn't know what to do. But it's a lot of money. So I was like, okay, I'm going to... I, I talked to my mother, and my mother gave me some great advice. She said, just tell them you're going for a vacation or something. Don't tell them you're going to work. They won't know. They won't ask questions. Just be fine with it. Um, so that was my plan. And that plan, as we've previously established, violated one of the key tenets of my personality, which is that I cannot lie, um, especially to authority. Um, I, can, I can lie to my friends occasionally. But I cannot lie. You told me you were Iroquois for like eight years. Other people told you that. I was was ambivalent.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's an interesting lie.
1: (laughs) But uh, I cannot lie to authority. And also, I should have thought a lot harder about how I was to craft this lie, right? Because what you're supposed to do with a lie is, you know, keep it as close to the truth as you can in a way that still keeps you out of trouble. Um, And I sort of did the keep it as close to the truth as you can. But the story, like, so I'm just trying to tell them that I'm going, you know, to see, like, a friend, to, to, you know, like, visit and whatever. But the story without the part that I wanted to leave out, which is that I'm going to work, is that I'm going to see a 16-year-old girl that I met on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, uh, it's not, <laughs> in retrospect, it's not it's not a good, uh, n- not a good situation. She I just know. made her 18. No? I know, but they... they <laughs> It was just like, because I didn't plan. I was just like, okay, I'll answer the questions and I'll say. But they were like, okay, who's your friend? I was like, well, it's a girl named uh, Natalie. It's like, how old is she? Sixteen. Well, how did you meet her? Uh, uh, over the internet. <laughs> like, as I'm saying, I'm like, no, that's not. What? It's too late now. <laughs> no, it's out of my mouth. So.
3: So you got arrested.
1: I didn't get arrested. I got formal. I got detained and I got fingerprinted. And wow. they they didn't arrest me. They said, here's a here's a form for you to sign. Because like after that, they ended up, you know, sort of like questioning me a bunch and being like, hey, we Googled you. And we think that probably you're not telling the truth because you're a YouTuber. And it sounds like you're trying to get into the country to work. And you really didn't think this lie through. <laughs> <laughs> like, OK, busted. Um, Anyways, now I need a I don't. I haven't tried to go to the States since, but I need a It'll lot be of paperwork. A pain in the butt. Yeah, yeah,
3: that's really interesting. I have a weird fascination with border security. Oh, so yeah? There's a TV show called Border Security yes. Good. Are you aware of it? Everyone
1: uh, I tell that story to is like, you didn't watch Border Security. <laughs> <laughs> you should have known not to do that.
3: It is. So I I love that show. I became obsessed with it when I first found it a couple of years ago. Um, it's just super fascinating, the stuff you learn and, and what people try to get away with and, and you learn for yourself to what not to do in these sorts of scenarios yeah. right but um, but they can check your phones right so I, I know for myself um, anyone from border security listening um, as an improviser right if you want to do improv across the borders that can be tricky because mm-hmm. you sometimes do get paid but mm-hmm. it's also like 20 bucks so right. yeah it's so much of a pain that people often don't, you know, get permission to do it. So you have to be careful what you have on your phone confirming that you're doing something that's being, you know, remunerated rather than right. just doing it for fun. Uh, but,
1: but like, uh, tw- yeah, because you wouldn't you wouldn't get a work permit for 20 bucks. Like it's it's multiple but it's still hundreds illegal dollars to it's get still the illegal. It's, yeah. it's
3: illegal to even do volunteer work that someone from that country could have done. Really? It's, wow. it's still considered work. Huh. Even if you're, you know, if all you're getting in return is room and board, that still counts as, you know, huh. work. Huh. Wow. It's really yeah. strict. Yeah. For good reasons, I, I suppose, but it sure. still uh, encourages people being, you know, artists to just, you know, just lie. Not, yeah.
1: <laughs> Either lie or just stay in Canada in your little <laughs> well, bubble. Well, that's not going to happen <laughs> <laughs> if yeah. you want to make money. <laughs> yeah. Nope. I. W- I, w- I do wonder if there's any, like, like, immigration ramifications. Like if, if I ever wanted to like move to the States, hmm. I wonder if it would affect that or if it's just like going back to the States as a tourist now.
3: I think it's just gonna be a pain in the butt, but I don't think that would affect immigration. But yeah, well, Also we'll not see. an authority <laughs> <on> that. <laughs> yeah, you, I
1: suspect you, it'll you just, But you know. you've seen all of border security. You must know I have
3: and border security <laughs> Australia, which is much more exciting. A lot Although more maybe, drugs. Maybe
0: less immediately like relevant to Tim's issue. More drugs, more sharks. <laughs> <drugs. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> and more whales. More whales. Yeah, mm, absolutely. for sure. Less but bees.
3: The most frustrating thing for me watching Border Security is the raw meats people bring in from other <laughs> countries which is frustrating on so many levels you know they lie about it first of all say no food and they bring in suitcases filled with uh, you know yep. poorly packaged raw meat Yikes! because you can't just get chicken and here. it's always
0: poorly packaged too, oh, which is the best my, my grandma you know. my grandma's best friend back in Hungary sent her a package a few years ago uh, to BC and it took four months to get there. (laughs) Everything was fine uh, because she packaged it really well. Uh, But she, you know, it was like homemade booze and homemade sausages and like chili peppers and sun-dried tomatoes and stuff. Uh, And it totally should not have made it into the country. Uh, So when it took like four months to get there, they assumed that it had been stopped at the border or something. But it was actually just that the Postal Service in Hungary is so bad that it took that long. (laughs) And it arrived while I was there, and I was like,
1: this is so exciting. And the sausage was still good, and, like, the booze was fine. Yeah, all those all those things feel like, like sausage is made to be preserved, Yeah, right? At least if it's, like, that really dry sausage that people make. Just it was. Smoke the heck out of it. Yeah.
3: You still can't bring that stuff, though.
1: No. Yeah, I mean, you're not supposed to. But apparently you can ship it from Hungary, so, you Well, know. oh, they just didn't
3: check it. Yeah. I'm sure if they caught it, it would have been,
1: oh, it would have been a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Is that also like an ecological problem to have uh, meat come in?
3: Um, Well, meat less so than plants, but certainly meat could have some sort of disease in it or some Mm. parasite, right? And then you introduce that as well. But plants are the the bigger issue, especially if it still has roots on it. If it's a live plant, that's a big problem for bringing in insects, different agricultural pests.
0: So if you shipped over some meat (laughs) and it had like a foreign virus in it and you ate it right away, like the same day. Would it potentially get into your environment through your stool after? Well, again, <laughs> Is that how that would work, or well,
1: through you in general? Right, most most things huh. that make you sick have ways to like spread themselves. So oh, whether yeah. it's whether it's through you vomiting, or you diarrheaing, or maybe even through, through your sweat, right, or through your lungs, or.
3: Probably yeah, y- lunch, usually, you, you, you know, s- just think of when you're sick, right? You right. sneeze, you you poo, you vomit. Those are all ways of things wow. getting out of your body and spreading <laughs> yeah. to something else nearby, right? You squirt so blood from your eyes. Could be <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. In the case of disgusting Ebola. Mm, you <laughs> spread you your me.
1: royal jelly on your friends.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, dear. Katie, how do you think the world's going to end? <laughs> <laughs>
3: It's such a sad... So I I teach a course at McGill right now called Global Change. Um, I'm one of uh, three teachers for that course. And it's just the most depressing class (laughs) because we're just always talking about, you know, climate change and how everything is going to, you know, end horribly. And then it's just really pessimistic, but realistic. And at the end, we're like, have a good weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. Yeah. Um, How's the world going to end? Well, I mean... I think it's going to be a long time until there's nothing living left on the Earth, right? Mm. Something will always survive, but humans, for sure, I don't think we have a, a very long future ahead on really? Earth. Really? <laughs> All right. Um, but I tend to be pessimistic. I mean, when you look at any sort of climate change models, uh, things are going to get pretty bad pretty fast. Do you think that? Do
1: you think that, like this is something that I'd be interested in your opinion on for sure? Like, do you think climate change is bad enough to actually kill the human race? Yes. like like that's a that's a thing that i don't i I don't really get like I can see it like wiping out certain nations and like but is is there is there a model where actually no human can survive
3: Well, I don't know how many people are making models based on human survivability right, right. um but you you make a good point there's so many of us, and we're all over the damn place for everyone to be killed, right you'd need to you know destroy. Yeah all people in all environments, which is hard to do. It's hard for something to go extinct, because they're, especially if it's widespread like we are, and we're also very, you know, resourceful. So will all people die immediately, imminently? (laughs) Probably not. But there's certain sort of uh, problems that have been going on for quite some time and are getting worse with climate change, right? Increasing expansion of the deserts, right, is a a huge problem. Things like that are going to continue to get bad. And um, certainly our population, I think, is going to have a huge tank in abundance but will right. we all die right away no but eventually I do think that uh we're, we're pretty screwed right I
1: suppose the other thing is that if you if you manage to like wipe out civilization to enough of an extent then suddenly you don't have really a human population you have a whole bunch of little populations that maybe they just slowly die out one at a time like their numbers dwindle until they're you know a few thousand years from now there's nobody left
3: right and as you tank the number of people right the number of uh you know say f- for one glaring example of fossil fuels being burned, you know, for cars, for whatever, it's going to tank as well. And so those negative impacts will go down, mm-hmm. permitting more people to expand and then continuing the cycle.
1: Yeah. I think I tend to be a little more optimistic. right? <laughs> like, like I think that like humans have risen up from ver- from very little, right? Like there was a, there was a while like what, 75,000 years ago where apparently there were only like a couple hundred humans on the planet. You know, after, a like, a big, I think it was, a like, one of the big volcanic disasters that happened. And there was a real bottleneck in the human population. Might have been the, um, uh, the flood. The flood, <laughs> yeah. I suppose if you want to go with that. Um, and we came out of that, right? So, like, if you, even if 99% of the human population dies, we're still at, po- like, only at the population levels of, like, 2,000 years ago. And then... We, we can still, you know, come back full force from that, clearly. So, I don't know. Totally. Yeah. But
3: that's also a difference in like a point source sort of disturbance versus the kind of slow in and insidious change of climate that we're experiencing. Right. I think that's, that's yeah. the, the thing that I, I, that's more con- disconcerting than just one big asteroid hitting the planet, you know, and then killing a lot of people um, versus having a transformation of, of what the planet is. I right. So the planet
1: is actually like just makes, becomes worse and worse for people.
3: Yeah. So we just have these like positive feedback loops of things changing that cause the change to increase more and more and more. And it's this sort of irreducible change that we're experiencing that there's any sort of projections you see to stop it or slow it down or quickly becoming impossible. Not just unlikely at this nowadays. Yeah. Very depressing. Woo. <laughs> but we're but we'll fine. We'll all be dead. Yeah. So, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, great grandchildren. <laughs>
0: That's a problem for our
1: descendants. we going to make a lot of you. Maybe one of you will live. <laughs> oh, well, how do you guys
0: think that the world will end? Do you think it's going to be because of whales? Let us know in the comments of this Drones, episode. definitely drones. Definitely drones. please. Katie, thanks so much for joining us Thank you week. for
3: having me. This was awesome. This was really this fun. Super yeah. fun,
0: yeah. Um, if, uh, if you guys want to see Katie in action doing improv things, check out Improv. Uh, you said Wednesday night and Tuesday night? Yeah. This will t- be up Wednesday morning, so... Last night <laughs> and tonight.
3: Yeah, uh, 7 and 8.30. Check out improv.ca. Everything's a great show going on till uh, Saturday night.
0: Sweet. And uh, can they find you on Twitter or something? Are you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter,
3: uh, kpegnuk, K-P-H-E-N-U-C-C, because someone stole my full last name on Twitter. Really? Uh, yeah. I can't believe there's another kpegnuko.
0: Cool. Yeah. So go uh, go follow Katie. Follow us at Downward Talking at Tom Zlatni and at Acapella Science. Yep. And uh, remember to check out Simon in Constellations at Concordia. Uh, you can find all the info for all of that stuff in the description of this episode.
1: Johnny, be good. <laughs> Not your best work.
2: <laughs> Sweet.